0: Good morning. All right. Our scripture reading is Matthew 1, 18 to 25. It's in the bulletin. You can turn there in your Bibles. I'll wait just a minute till everyone's ready. Okay. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Wow. With well, a morning like we've already had, I think we could just close in prayer. But uh, it's so great to see you all. Good morning. Just add add my, my greetings to what you've already heard. You know, the past, uh, during, during the month of December, we have been uh, having this Advent series with a simple theme, the Messiah. So if you think back to a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, right, the first Sunday, we looked at the prophecy of the Messiah. It was 1,000 years before, and in Isaiah chapter 9, there's the prophecy of the Prince of Peace who would come thousand years before. And then last week we looked at the royalty of the Messiah, the royalty of the Messiah. That was from Micah chapter 5, that's where we learned that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. That was 700 years before the birth of Christ. This morning we're going to talk about the family of the Messiah. We're going to talk about family. All of us in this room, when we look forward to Christmas time, a really big deal for us as our family. Our kids, our spouse, our in-laws, our brothers, our sisters, our families are a huge factor for us. When I was in college, I came home from college one time this Christmas. I was a brand new Christian, and uh, like Jay, I came to faith around, that, around those days. And I remember coming home from college. We lived in Alexandria, Virginia. And my parents were going through a tough, a a rough patch in their marriage. There's a lot of tension in the home. As a college student, I didn't really understand what was going on with my parents. I kinda had my own world. But it all was driven home with great shock on one particular day. It was snowing outside. It was right before Christmas and I looked out on the balcony of where we live and the Christmas tree, our family Christmas tree, had been broken in half. And it was my dad who did that out of anger. I didn't know what all the buildup was that, that made him do that. I'm thankful he didn't hurt my mom as far as I know. But what a shock it was to me and to my young sister who was six years younger than I was to find out that that Christmas tree had been broken in half. Molly and I always say that nothing surprises us that can happen in a family, in a marriage, in a relationship. Nothing surprises us that can happen. I realize that for a lot of us in this room, it's a very joyful time. Things are really working nicely in our family. And even if they are, we still need this message. But this morning, if you're going through a challenging time in your life, and I really appreciated how Lydia set up the confession today. Because if you're going through a dark time in your life, it is in this moment that we can look to what the Bible teaches about the story of the Messiah. And that's what this is about this morning. And I hope that as we go through this passage of Scripture, that what you will see here for your life is something that will give you hope for your future and hope for your family. Christmas is that special to us. We're gonna look at the story of Joseph. There's a, there's a, a, a singer that Molly enjoys that... Uh, my grandchildren love, our family, so have, all this music has been going on in our house. And Molly's been explaining this singer to me. I'm not, not always up on all the current stuff, but her name is Melanie Penn. Melanie Penn has these great songs about the nativity story and about the story of Jesus. And the songs evoke the emotion of that story. One of the songs that Molly pointed out to me and shared with me was the one that Melanie Penn sings about Joseph. And you want to hear her words. Some people say uh, that you got to sort of read in the white space of what's going on in this story. But listen to what she said as she imagined what Joseph might say. Joseph being the strong, silent type, just an ordinary person. And she imagines in this song Joseph saying, I can tell you how to drive a nail through a stone. And I loved a quiet life. Joseph was a simple person. He was an ordinary person. But the story of God entering the world is painted on a very human canvas. The story of God entering the world is painted on a very human canvas. That was true for Joseph and Mary, the culture of the ancient Near East, a very human couple, an ordinary couple that didn't plan for this to happen in their lives, we're gonna see that there were some awkward things that came about. The story of God entering the world is painted on a very human canvas. Did you know that the story of God is being written and is being painted on your life, on the human canvas of your life, a story of redemption, do you believe that he's doing that. Let's take a look at this story. We're gonna look at three things. We're gonna talk about, first of all, the embarrassing pregnancy of Mary. Secondly, the extraordinary response of Joseph. And thirdly, the miraculous birth of the Savior. Let's talk, first of all, about the embarrassing pregnancy of Mary. This is our window into this very human canvas, our window into this story of family. It says in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When it says Jesus Christ, some of the translations say Jesus the Messiah because Christ means Messiah, God's anointed one, and so that's why this is the family of the Messiah. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So what do we learn just in this one verse? What we learn here, this is the story of the embarrassing pregnancy of Mary. We learn something about them that Mary and Joseph at this time when Mary got pregnant, they were betrothed, that is the word that you see in your translation there, they were betrothed. It is like a stronger form of engagement. They were all but married during that time. They had made a commitment to marriage, so they were were betrothed. And it was during that period, prior to the official wedding ceremony, but after they had been betrothed, it's got, isn't it interesting the way the, the scripture puts it? She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. But if you look at this from Joseph's perspective, Joseph, can you imagine the conversation after that pregnancy test? Can you imagine Joseph just say, what in the world are you talking about? Because remember, there had been no sexual relations between Joseph and Mary at this time, but all that they knew was that she was pregnant. She was found to be with child. And so that was what Dale Bruner calls the embarrassing pregnancy of Mary. And it was embarrassing for several reasons. There was, in in the Near Eastern culture, to be pregnant with child prior to marriage, of course, would have been scandalous. In the eyes of the Mosaic law, she was guilty, she was condemned. And so just by virtue of the culture and by virtue of the law, they were in a very tight spot, Joseph and Mary. And I want you to think about that spot. What would you do in that situation? What would you do? Because she was guilty by the law. It said that she could be, she would be condemned for that. She would be uh, convicted of that. And you're Joseph and you don't know what's going on. And what's interesting is there's this, this period of time, this interlude, where Joseph doesn't know the whole story yet. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had something that has surprised you and you really don't know, you don't have the total picture, you don't have the whole story? That's where Joseph and Mary are at this embarrassing moment. So we have, first of all, this embarrassing pregnancy of Mary. But let's see where it goes with this because the second thing we see in this passage is the extraordinary response of Joseph. Very human. But look at this, what it says in verse 19. It says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now we're going to see in a little while that nowhere in the nativity stories does Joseph speak. We've got places where Mary speaks, we got the angels speaking, we got The shepherd speaking. Joseph is a quiet person, but what it says about him in this passage, first of all, it says that it says being a just man. Being a just man, in some translations, he's translated as a righteous man. So, how would Joseph respond to this situation? Well, it's an extraordinary response because here's the deal Mary was guilty. He could have divorced her, and Mary could have borne all of the blame and all of the shame of this this pregnancy that everybody around them would have seen. But what Moses did was he did something different. He He could have shamed her. It actually says it in the passage. He was unwilling to put her to shame. Now what's going on with Joseph in this passage? Well, remember the law of Moses and the cultural norms of the ancient Near East said that she deserved to be condemned. But Moses doesn't go by the law, does he? He doesn't follow, he's not limited by the law, but instead, he does something different. He doesn't want Mary to be put to shame. So in effect, when it says here that he resolved to divorce her quietly, in effect, Mary is protected by this decision and Joseph himself will be the one to bear the shame. Can you imagine what it's like to really not know what's going on in the story, but being a just man, giving giving grace instead of judgment, not knowing the whole story, instead of putting the shame and the blame on Mary, he takes it upon himself, in effect, Joseph is the substitute for her. He is taking the shame upon himself. I wonder if that reminds you of anybody. I wonder if that reminds you of something. It's called a, uh, a substitute. People refer to this as Joseph being a substitute because that's what Jesus did for us. When Jesus went to the cross, rather than subjecting us to the due Punishment and condemnation of the law. When Jesus went to the cross, he bore our blame and our shame in our place. In effect, Joseph, in this one verse, is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the gospel. The uh, lead singer of uh, the rock band U2 is a guy by the name of Bono. I've always been fascinated to follow. Bono's faith and how he talks about stuff, and he became a friend of Eugene Peterson late in Eugene Peterson's life. Eugene Peterson was an author and a pastor and and Bono would take Eugene Peterson's uh, the message translation of the Bible and the message translation of the psalms and he would just he would just read it because he just loved the poetic expressions that he found in the psalms. And so Bono's been on this faith journey. He knows what sin is, and he Knows a little bit about what grace is about. But in this, uh, there's this one song by Bono that says, uh, oh, it's actually in your, it's a quote in your bulletin. But listen to what he says. Grace, he takes the blame, looking at Jesus. He covers the shame, removes the stain. It could be his name. Isn't that a great picture? Uh, Dale Bruner points that out in his commentary on this passage, which has been very, very helpful to me. But just this amazing thing that, uh, that Jesus bore that shame for us. And so now what happens? Joseph is going to put her away secretly. He still doesn't know the story. So then we get to the next, the next section here, and that is the miraculous, the miraculous Birth of the Savior. That is the third thing. We got the embarrassing pregnancy of Mary. We have got the uh, extraordinary response of Joseph. But then we see the miraculous birth of the Savior. Remember, the story of God becoming man, God entering the world as a man, is painted on a human canvas. Remember, Mary is pregnant. What is going on in that pregnancy? You have, she was, when from the moment she was conceived, you've got a person in there conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is God, think about this, God putting on human tissue and growing inside of a womb. This is God submitting himself to the limitations of a birth. And I've thought about that. God could have just just appeared like he was a UFO. God could have done it in any other way but he chose to come as a human and to put on tissue and to put on skin. So look at this miraculous birth of the Savior. This is what's painted on this, this canvas of the human story. It says in verse 20, but as he considered these things, now that's what a just person does. He considers, he thinks about what he's going to do. So Joseph was, considering what to do, it was a real dilemma. He decided to take her shame. And he was ready to put her away quietly, but God intercepts Joseph with a different plan. And I wonder if you've ever thought about that, the fact that sometimes we have a plan for our life, but God comes along and he intercepts us and moves us in a different direction. Says in verse 20, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he's got this dream and an angel appears to him. And then verse 21, the angel says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now for all of us here, I want you to notice three things that are painted on this canvas here because they're all the more beautiful because of how they come about. These are familiar truths, but they're very, very important. One is that Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit and so the birth of Jesus was a virgin birth. It was a virgin birth. So it says in verse 23 behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew right there is quoting from another prophecy from Isaiah, Isaiah 7:14 about a virgin who would bear a son. And it's another example of how everything about the Messiah was predicted centuries before he ever came to earth. And it's really one of the proofs of Christianity. If you've ever wondered whether Christianity is true, whether you can trust your life to Christ, think about the fact, think about the uniqueness of Jesus and the uniqueness of these prophecies. All of us here have been getting Christmas cards this week. You've been getting some Christmas cards, I assume, coming to your mailbox and we go out to our mailbox and we love hearing from people. The people that mailed you your Christmas cards were very confident those cards would get to you. Why were they? Because they had a zip code, they had a state, they had a city, they had a street, and they had a street number, and they had your name. Now think about this for a second, because Jesus is so unique. All of these prophecies in the Old Testament said that Jesus would would come from the tribe of Judah. We saw in this passage that Joseph, Joseph is from the tribe of Judah. So it rules out all the other tribes. We go into Micah chapter five and it says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Do you realize that rules out all the other cities in the world where the Messiah could come? We see here that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. So it rules out all other forms of birth. And all of these facts, all of these details about the coming of the Messiah were, were prophesied centuries before so that of all the people in human history, and it's all written in the Bible, it is all there. Of everybody that has ever lived in human history, there is one unique person who fulfills these promises, and it is Jesus the Messiah. So when he quotes Isaiah 714 here, it is an example of that. If you ever have, I love the way Jay talked about when we go through doubts about our faith and look to the cross. And the Bible is so full of reassurance. And this is one of those things. I want you to notice a second thing about Jesus in this passage. And that is his name. We see that in verse 24. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So think about this for a second. The name Jesus means God saves. It means Yahweh, which is the Old Testament name for God in the Hebrew, Yahweh saves. Yeshua, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We saw last week that Micah's name meant who is like the Lord. And so think of the significance of the name of Jesus. The reason that he would come is that his, his whole mission, his whole purpose was that he would come to save his people from their sins. When we sang that, that famous carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, just to think about the cry and the yearning and to save us from darkness, to save us from sin, to save us from hell. All of that, when Jesus came, it wasn't just for a nice play. It wasn't just for uh, just to happen. It wasn't he's a heavenly Santa Claus. He came to save us. He came to rescue us from our sins. If you wonder why Jesus came, that would be it. So then we have the name of Jesus. And then finally, in verse 23, the third thing. First, a virgin birth. Second, the name of Jesus. He would save his people from their sins. And then this, this name, Emmanuel, we sang, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. And so we learn just from this story that Jesus was much more than a man. He was God putting on human flesh, God in a human body. So that when you and I want to know what God is like, We can look at Jesus because God became a man in Jesus. No wonder C.S. Lewis said, this is one of the other quotes in your bulletin. C.S. Lewis said, once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. Now I wanna make a, a, a connection for us when we think about these three things about Jesus. There might be some people here in this room this morning, and some people may be watching on the live stream, that you're not sure where you stand with Jesus Christ, and you listen to Jay Kennedy's story. He talked about coming to faith in Christ. What do you need to believe, and how does it happen that a person actually becomes a Christian? I want you to think about what this passage says, that Jesus, that Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. So here's how it works. If you're on a faith journey, the process of becoming a Christian looks something like this. The Holy Spirit gets involved in your life. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he reveals to you that you have fallen short of God's standard. He reveals to you, as he revealed to me, he's revealed to all of us, he reveals that you're a sinner, that everybody in the world is a sinner. That's why Jesus came to rescue us. The Holy Spirit reveals that. And so the solution for that is that Jesus came to save his people from their sins, so that when somebody comes to believe in Jesus, they, they receive the salvation that he offers. And then the word Emmanuel, God with us. So who do we believe that Jesus is? We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Savior of the world, the Son of God and Savior, and it is the Holy Spirit who comes along and reveals that to you. Jesus himself said that for a person to become a Christian, they need to be born of the Spirit, and that is why Dale Bruner says that every conversion is a virgin birth. So if I were to ask you this morning, do you believe in who Jesus is? God in the flesh, the Son of God, and do you, do you believe that he is the savior of the world, that he came to save you from your sins? The Bible teaches that all you need to do is receive Christ by faith and rest in him alone for your salvation as he is offered to you in the gospel, and that's how a person becomes a Christian. As Jay said, it's not by the the righteous deeds, but it's simply by what Christ has done for us. So I want you to think about that, these three things about Jesus, a virgin birth, Emmanuel, his name Jesus, that becomes real to us when we place our faith in Christ and recognize him for who he is. Well, what a story. The coming of God into the world painted on this human canvas of a family. I wanna close by sharing a few, thought, a few more thoughts about Joseph because it's like after all this really exciting stuff from the angel, Matthew goes on and talks about what Joseph does. And I want you to see that here in the rest of the last couple of verses. Look at verses 24 and 25, remarkable things about Joseph. Joseph represents for us what a gospel-shaped life looks like. Because what Joseph decides to do after he hears the message of the gospel, after Joseph hears this, what he does is he says, whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. He simply obeys. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. He did what the Lord commanded him to do. He didn't end up divorcing her. They accepted what God had for them. Joseph decided to obey. You know, he was a very ordinary person. And all these things we see about Joseph, the fact that he never spoke, but he acted. He was a person who acted. He was one of these people that was like the strong, silent type. Not a lot of words, but he acted. And one of the things that he did was he obeyed. And then look at verse 25. What an amazing thought here that you've got this, this guy is about to, about to, you know, he's, he's marrying her, and the Son of God is just, just growing inside of her. And, but notice what it says that he does, another part of his obedience in verse 25. It says, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. He knew her not. What he was doing is he was protecting Mary once again. Remember when he protected her from shame. And right now he's like, we're not even going to have sexual relations until the time. What an amazing thought. Dale Bruner talks about Joseph. Because I think think we can look at Joseph, his extraordinary response, this ordinary person, and realize we can learn what a gospel-shaped life looks like. A lot of you here, as you think about relating to your friends and family over the next couple of weeks, all the pressures and intensity of Christmas, one of the things you learn about Joseph, first of all, Joseph was sensitive to God. He did what God wanted him to do. So as you think about your life today, are you sensitive to God? Are you, are you interested in what God wants you to do. We find that in his word. We don't have an angel appearing to us. Instead, we have the full word of God given to us. So Joseph was, was sensitive to God. He loved God. But there's a second thing about Joseph that'll apply in all of our family relationships and all that we're doing, is he, he was also sensitive to people. He loved God, but he also loved Mary. He didn't let her be put to shame. He protected her from that. Now he's protecting her sexually and he is being sensitive to her. He is not just satisfying himself, but he is doing what God wants him to do and he's doing what's best for Mary. Remarkable, remarkable story. You know, I, I don't even, I can't even imagine the thought that God had this amazing plan. Do you realize That when Mary got pregnant, the embarrassment of her pregnancy and the extraordinary response of Joseph, do you realize that the destiny of the world was in the hands of the decisions of these two people? Can you imagine the condescension of God, the creator of the universe, getting involved in the ordinary lives of people who were sinners just like you and me? I just, I can't even conceive that, but it's just such an amazing amazing story. Well, when I saw that my dad had broken that Christmas tree, I didn't know what to do, I was a brand new Christian, I didn't understand what my parents were going through, it was snowing outside, but I knew that I had a sister that was six years younger than I was and I knew how much that Christmas tree meant to her and can't say I was a Joseph, I wasn't a righteous man, but the least I could do was to walk to the store buy a new Christmas tree, and trudge back home through the snow so that our family could still have Christmas. I wasn't able to repair the broken tree. That damage had not been done. But I want you to think about this. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. What does that mean to you, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins? One of the things it means is that Jesus saves you from all of the guilt and all of the shame and all of the punishment of sin. But he also, he pulls you out of it, but he also puts your life back together and that is part of your salvation as well. When Jesus died, the Bible says that he died upon a tree. And it wasn't the tree that was broken like that Christmas tree in my, in my home. It was that Jesus himself, the one who was inside Mary's womb, when he went to the cross, he, instead of the tree, was broken. That means, meant that he paid for the sins of all who would put their faith in him. It meant that he would be the one who could could put your life back together, who could put the broken places back together. Only Jesus can do that. This Christmas, let's remember that. Let's hold on to that hope. Let's remember what Mary and Joseph went through. Let's remember about Joseph making these, these very human decisions in the context of God's larger story. And remember this, that no matter what you've done, no matter what you have done to hurt people, to say hurtful things, Jesus, the name Jesus means he will save his people from their sins, and he was broken on that cross. I love it that Jay Kennedy reminded us to look at the cross. That's why we do that. None of us are worthy. None of us are as good as Joseph. But we can look at the cross. Let's celebrate that this Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord, it's so difficult to do justice to this divine but also human story. Lord, we are in awe of the fact that Jesus could be divine and human at the same time. We are in awe of the fact that in your salvation you can heal us and you can heal the broken parts in our families and in our lives. Lord, I don't know all the stories that are in this room. We learned a little bit about Jay's story a few moments ago. Lord, there's a lot of stories that we don't know about, and a lot of people who need the kind of grace that Joseph extended, the kind of grace, Lord, that you extend to us. So I pray during this Christmas season for a time of spiritual renewal for all of the individuals and all of the families in this church and our hope lord is not in ourselves but in jesus emmanuel in his name we pray amen